Welcome to the Lush Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Graham, with my not-so-completely-healed sore throat. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Nula Davies. And in this episode, it's me talking to Nula about regeneration and the importance of a process that restores something to its original state, or an improved version in a way that ultimately benefits everyone and everything. The first clip we included is from an episode of Take It From The Top, with Lush director Simon Constantine, where we hear his thoughts on regeneration. The second segment is from one of our Source to Skin videos, and it's all about the journey a product takes. In this clip, we hear about the Maasai Women's Group and how they support themselves by growing aloe secundiflora. There is a difference between aloe vera and aloe secundiflora, aloe secundiflora being indigenous to the land in Kenya, and it's what I'm actually talking about when I say aloe vera. Oops! Lastly, we hear from the amazing Liverpool-based band Stealing Sheep and what being in a band means to them. Oh, and make sure you hold on to the very end where we hear from some of our 2019 Lush Spring Prize winners. Every joke is a tiny revolution, said George Orwell, and each week comedian Tiff Stevenson interviews fellow comics such as Nish Kumar and Sarah Pascoe about the power of comedy to disrupt. Imagine a custard pie splatting into a human face forever. Find Tiny Revolutions wherever you find podcasts, usually on the internet. So, uh, for those of you who aren't in tune with what's going on, we take turns hosting. Woo-hoo. Last week it was Nula, this week it was me. And the host chooses the topic. So... Nula chose Liverpool because she knows it was the best city in the world. <laughs> I think that's the best thing you said in that whole podcast when you go, oh, it's the best city in the, the world. world. I think I've said that every single day. <laughs> that was my first ever sentence. And, oh, I chose topically the topic of regeneration, Ooh. which I didn't realise until we were in the swing of, you know, coming up with some ideas that I didn't know anything about regeneration. <laughs> well, who better to talk about regeneration than someone who doesn't know about doesn't it? Because that means it. you do your research yeah, and you and learn what it is. I did do my research. You did. Which is, this is going to be, for the listeners at home, a fact-heavy podcast. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be a fact-light <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay, so... Great place to start because I didn't know what regeneration was. Nula, what do you think of when you think of regeneration? To me, it's the idea of taking what you currently have and looking back to move forward. So rege- like to regenerate is to like spice up what you have and, and look to looking after it in the future and changing it and altering it. No? Yeah? Yeah. Sh- should we talk about something else? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's spot on. I mean... When anything comes out, especially anything linked to any kind of activist movement or anything that's like somewhere between activism, changing the world and capitalism, these words get really like so easily adopted. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, Google, what is regeneration? And in biology, snore, uh, regeneration is the process of renewal, restoration and growth that makes G- genomes? Gnomes? Gnomes? G- genes? Genomes. G-E-N-O-M-E-S. Cells, organisms and ecosystems resilient to natural fluctuations or events that cause disturbance or damage. Every species is capable of regeneration, from bacteria to humans. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it is. It's like taking what's already there, looking back to look forward and like growth and renewal and rebirth yeah. almost, but 
but it's informed. It's coming from something else. and Yeah, and it's like looking at what you've done. Not necessarily what you've done wrong, but just basically looking at what you've mm-hmm. done and be like, okay, what next? So I know that one kind of topic of conversation within Lush is this, what is the difference between being sustainable and being regenerative? Well, I think being sustainable is just... To me, sustainability is it's it's a positive thing. It's it's existing without having any more of a negative impact. To regenerate, is it not? I think regeneration's a bit more creative because you're trying to look at new ways to not just sustain, but to have a positive effect on the things around you rather than just sustain. Just keep going. To sustain something implies that it is how you want it to stay. Yeah, yeah. Whereas regenerate is to sort of, in, like in my head, create something new or like a new way of approaching something to yeah. to, to be more positive. Yeah, totally. Because I think sustainability is one of those words that's like really been um, adopted by capitalism and then we're looking at like sustainable ways of living, mm-hmm. sustainable Well, it's a production. buzzword. Yeah, it's, it's a, a buzzword. It's a buzzword because if, if anyone who's clued in in their ethics or reads up about you know how to have a positive impact in the environment they live in like sustainability is a is a big word so mm. people pop it into their branding everywhere they can to try and, and get yeah. people to buy their stuff and then then you're like do we do we really want to sustain the way the world is now yeah. because ultimately because the world's a bit not that sound no it's a bit messed up <laughs> a bit messy okay i think we did really well there nula i felt I, like it wasn't too sciencey so yeah flat white <laughs> Hold on, I drink my matcha latte. Hold on a second. Was it a matcha latte? I had a matcha latte Um, Nula sent me a voice note while I was on my way to meet her about four minutes away that she'd had a matcha latte and I thought she'd said mad blank latte (laughs) and was very confused and also was just completely confused why I was getting information about lattes when all I'd done was sent you a voice note of me singing. (laughs) our lives we just communicate through voice notes yeah. i wish this podcast we could just communicate through, through voice, voice notes. notes okay so simon constantine says to be sustainable to sustain seems to suggest there's so many s's in this <laughs> sentence it's literally like what you've got this i've got this okay to be sustainable to sustain seems to suggest life continuing on despite us and our actions but to regenerate brings about a whole new framework of thinking so it's aiming to restore health, wholeness and resilience. Simon knows what he's talking about. He does about. know what he's talking about, he doesn't does. he? I, it's, a, it's an absolute breath of fresh air to hear someone who abs- who's like thought about something, said something, been told something, thought about something, thought about something, said... You know what I mean? Mm. Not everyone does that. Most people just talk. He's really good at taking lots of different ways of thinking or different thought processes or different techniques and tying them together in a way that you wouldn't necessarily to create something cool. So like oh. applying like like the stuff about Keystone species to a business. That's something that happens in in like the animal kingdom or you know, like you wouldn't necessarily think about doing that. And then when you try it, how that like it's really interesting, I think. And for our listeners, Nola Davies, what is a keystone species? Oh. Which, by the way, when I first heard it, I kept telling people a keynote species. <laughs> in, in they our get off and do really like, good presentations. You only to get onto this like great idea that Simon Constantine's come out with about us being a keynote species. And they were like, do you mean a keynote speaker? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> so, oh, so much that. pride of myself in that. Um, a, a keystone species is a species that has a disproportionately positive effect on the environment it's in. So it 
doesn't it, it gives as much as it takes so it's all about balance really and like for example like like plant life and vegetation like what plants can grow so that they benefit the lives of other plants in one like area in the forest you know that that kind of idea so if you're applying it to your business your keystone species would be a biz like for us a business that gives as much back into the community as the community gives it so say for example like the cooperatives that we work with um helping them set up so that they can can grow ingredients for us it's it's about giving them as much as we can because they're giving back to us it's really like it's community and creative living really and Nuli, you know all this because you did a podcast with simon all about this topic i did yes i uh I did a Take It From The Top podcast with him about it because it was sort of like we're talking about the, the master plan for the business. So um, make cosmetics for every need, be number one in every category and start a cosmetics revolution. Conveniently, I have that a clip from that podcast. It's like you knew. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> okay, so in this episode, Simon talks about being a keystone species. So just for a bit of context, he heard it from a colleague, Paolo, who was an activist and came into a... Con- came into Lush as a consultant and he asked the question, what if Lush was a keystone species and had a really good effect on the world? So he said that to Simon a long time ago and fast forward to Simon listening to a TED talk and the topic came up again and Simon kind of talked through that process in this clip with none other than Nula Davies. But this, if we flash forward to now, you know, watching this TED talk and, and thinking a bit about that, having these two things come together I suddenly twig because in the TED talk we were talking about keystone species and saying that a keystone species has this kind of definition that it is a species that has a disproportionately positive benefit on its ecosystem in comparison to its numbers and when I heard that I kind of you know married that with what Paolo had said and I suddenly realized that well what if one of Lush's aspirations in actual fact what if Lush's sole kind of purpose is to have a disproportionately positive benefit on its ecosystem certainly in comparison to its numbers um you know in terms of the size of our business you know we're a big business now maybe a billion pound turnover nearly um you know that's that's sizable but when you look at the cosmetics industry we're what's it 0.49 percent so we're not the biggest player you know you know we may feel like we're big but we're not uh, that massive and uh, even if we went from a billion to 10 billion we would still only be something like three and a half percent of the overall industry so you're talking about uh, no matter how incredibly large we think we might get we're only ever going to have a piece of an input to a wider kind of world but what if you can have a disproportionately positive benefit when you're doing those things um, and it kind of, it summed a lot of things up for me because it wasn't confined to any one area. You know, sometimes I've done talks on ethical buying and it was like, that's amazing, but how do I do that? I can't do that when I'm working in the shop. And it's like, no, no, but I can't do the things when we're, that we're doing in buying that you can achieve in a shop. And so it's not like any of those things are discounted. In actual fact, you can be having a disproportionately positive benefit as an individual anywhere you are. And it doesn't mean that you have to have it on an ecosystem either. You know, you can be socially, culturally, spiritually, if you like, regenerative in that in those terms. You can have this incredible effect. 
Um, and I really like that because it's, you know, I take a lot of inspiration from nature anyway. I've done all sorts of weird talks over the years about different things and making these sort of analogies so between mycelium and, and our own company structure and all these sort of things. I suppose as well it's about um, being mindful of that we are a part of a much bigger thing mm. and we can also, by leading by example, so if other companies see that we're, we're creating products that don't need plastic bottles to help reduce, you know, plastic waste, then maybe other companies will go, that's a really good idea. You know, it's about inspiring and sharing that because we are, no matter, no matter if we're all doing our own things and going about our own way, we are all part of something bigger, which is a responsibility to the planet that we live on. I think there's too much sort of separation still in people's minds, you know, between nature's over here and human beings are over here. I'm, I'm sort of signaling two different camps so for those of you listening at home. Um, you know, and the, the, there's a distinction and in actual fact that's not the case. Um, and the nice thing about a keystone species is if you take, for instance, an orangutan as a keystone species, how it interacts in its environment, it eats lots of different fruits. Therefore, as it moves through the forest and goes to the toilet, it deposits seeds all over the place which help to regenerate and spread um, biodiversity but not only that every night it makes itself a little nest up in the treetop so it breaks the branches and knits them all together into these nests that actually then lets in further light into the ecosystem so it reaches the forest floor and any growth down there gets extra light and starts to grow up and so you actually start to see you're having this dynamic effect within uh, an actual environment not aside from it Um, and then the other thing about keystone species they don't exist in isolation not the only ones they're not king of the jungle or any of that sort of stuff in actual fact you know in in, if I use Sumatra as an example because it's one of those that I know relatively well you also then have elephant and they're also in the same ecosystem Uh, they share different niches and they do different things but they also help to regenerate and uh, and create uh, you know they act as a keystone species too they clear spaces they they distribute seeds they refertilize areas they do all these different things and the more of them you have the more beneficial and more fertile and the richer that ecosystem is for everybody and i think this is one of those things that i've been trying to grapple with like how do you you know, we, we understand competition very well, especially in the business world. You all understand competition. You know, and most of our, our kind of schooling, everything is kind of around a sort of competitive, competitive edge. Uh, what people aren't very good at realizing is that you take a step out of competition. Collaboration is the sort of is what underpins life on the planet. So individuals compete, but systems or communities they collaborate, and that is much more strong. You know, that's much stronger for organisms, it's much stronger for ecosystems, it's much stronger. I think for for businesses and people, it's the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not easy to explain, but it's quite, you know, quite an interesting point. That was lovely there. He's just so interesting to talk to. Yeah. He's got so much experience of lots of different things. And I think what's important now and part of the conversation is like, you can't separate creativity from Anything, anything we do in this company like it's the most creative space I've worked in and I've worked freelance I think it's really interesting what he says about collaboration <laughs> we admittedly and Lush we have this thing where sometimes I'll be so like Lush is so great Lush is so great we're so great and we are we're amazing what we're doing is great we're constantly growing and building and adapting and changing 
but if you listen to the whole podcast part of that conversation, he talks plug. about how... <laughs> huh? Plug. Plug. Listen to my podcast. Um, I'll be in the show notes. Uh, yes. In part of the, the conversation, we were talking about Iceland and them ditching palm oil and their products and and us and palm oil and that relationship and having those conversations. And it's about, um, because we are such a small percentage of the cosmetics industry, like Simon says... Simon says, touch your head. Uh, <laughs> Simon says, positive effect in the cosmetics industry. Um, but if we don't inspire and pull together and collaborate with other people in life, not just in our business, not just in Lush, but in our lives, we don't get the best of ourselves or each other. Yeah, that's so true. So it's like, even if I look at, at my job, I can I can work on projects on my own and execute them. But how much better and easier is it when I pull together a team of badass ladies who work with me on it? Yeah. You know, and that's just life. And if we can learn to collaborate more in life and not see ourselves as individuals all the time, we get more out of ourselves and everyone else that we're surrounded by. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like when when we first started thinking about regeneration, I was like, oh, I don't know how relevant this is to me. Like I... Well, I mean, I have recently started gardening in the courtyard where I live. You need to, the, everyone needs to go and see your plants. It's They're like gorgeous. a greenhouse. Her house is like a greenhouse. Inside and, and outside. Coming up more recently outside. <laughs> and I do live in a coven of witches and we have started a sunflower seed growing competition. But beyond that, I'm like, what, well, what? how relevant is regeneration for me? And so listening to that when Simon's like, okay, so how can we take back that back to the shops? And I was like... Okay, so my my office is in the shop. Yeah, like I'm not always on the shop floor, and I'm not always thinking. Well, I'm not, I'm not on the shop floor. But I'm also not like out in the fields growing the content. But I am still part of this regeneration conversation because it's like he said, it's like regeneration of the self, of your community, of like how we communicate. And so I just think that's really important, like not to separate out from being completely immersed in nature. And have it st- like, even if you're still, even if you're not completely immersed in nature, you still have the capacity to be part of the regeneration. Completely, it's it's about creative thinking and just implementing yeah. little changes into your life in lots of different ways. And that doesn't necessarily, you know, it, it's about balance and what what we can do, not what yeah. we can't. So how can we collaborate and what can we do moving forward? Oh, gorgeous. So also just um, as a little side note, if you do want to know more about what we're doing in this area, you could look into the refund. Do you remember the slush fund? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it used to be called Sustainable Lush, but we're like, sustainability is not enough. It's about regeneration. So there's the refund where we... Um, grants are invested in projects that work in different areas. So disaster and displacement, permaculture and agroecology, really need to learn how to pronounce things, and rewilding and biodiversity. And then as part of that is the Spring Prize, Mm -hmm. which is a £200,000 prize fund showcasing projects from around the world that are working towards environmental and social regeneration. And I think the main thing about those projects is it's like about learning. So it's about bringing people together to learn from each other. And also when you know that all these projects exist, so when you sit in like, well, we're just sat in a recording studio in London, we're like, wow, all these projects all over the world, we get an insight into them. But then you think about how big the world is and how dispersed these projects are. Yeah. I think one thing that is really important is making sure that these projects know of each other. Because I think you probably 
I don't want to assume, but probably been on the receiving end of trying to do something different and people being like, that is so strange. Or, I don't know, being from a small town and being an emo and then people being like, that is so weird and then moving to a big city and people being like, oh, okay. And not everyone can move to a big city, but it's important that these projects around the world know that the other projects exist. Yeah, well, it's it's why we tell... It's the exact same thing as, like, storytelling. We tell stories so that we all are linked together in our emotions and how we feel about things and our experiences. So it's the exact same thing. The more we collaborate and the more we all know about each other, the easier and better it is because then you can lean on that network of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, go and research all those things because they're great. Yeah. Um. Which does bring us nicely to the recent Source to Skin video that's been made. Source to Skin is a video that Lush have brought out as part of a series to look at where we source ingredients to our products. It is exactly what it says on the tin, essentially, from the source of the ingredients to our skin. It's lovely. And it's worth a watch, but also Elise the Legend has grabbed me a sound clip from it. Oh, amazing. So we can have a listen to that. So, just for specifics, Source to Skin shows you the journey our products and ingredients go on from harvesting, collecting, creating, through transport and direct to stores. In this episode, I'm going to be looking at Charity Pot Hand and Body Lotion. Now, this product is packed full of nourishing and moisturising ingredients such as olive oil and cocoa butter and also fresh aloe gel. I'd heard about Lush's sourcing of aloe secunda flora from Maasai women groups in Kenya, so I'm heading there to have a look at how it's sourced. My first stop was to meet with Joseph, the founder of Lycipia Permaculture Centre and the first Maasai permaculturist. He works closely with the Maasai women on the farming of aloe secunda flora, which is where we get our fresh aloe gel from. So Joseph, talk to me about the difference between aloe vera and aloe secunda flora. Aloe secundiflora is ours. It's indigenous to the land. Aloe secundiflora was almost extinct. But um, when we started training the, the, the women groups about it, its usefulness in making cosmetic products, we thought that we need to put up a nursery to be able to have so many species uh, of aloe and uh, having the aloe planted more than before. A friend of mine told about uh, permaculture, and that gave us a dream that we need to start a project like this, like Hippia Permaculture Center, Permaculture is a sustainable practice for human settlements. We will not have to fight with the nature. We'll have to work with the nature. It was great to see Joseph's passion for permaculture and how it's had such a positive impact on creating a shared sustainable livelihood. So I went to see it in action at the Twala Women's Group. Hello, Priscilla. Super. Super. It's so lovely to be here in Twala. Thank you for having me. Is it okay to go and have a look around? Yes. Welcome to Twala. Thank you. Priscilla showed me around the Twala Women's Group, where over 200 women work, farming aloe, beekeeping, collecting compost, and making traditional Maasai houses. So I know that aloe secundiflora is an endangered species. Does that mean you're limited in how much you can harvest every day? Yes, because it is in indigenous growing here, so they are the ones to give the permit for it to be exported. So I can also see in the background here, there is a lot of beehives. What is the connection here, the relationship with beehives and the aloe secundiflora? We have the beehives here, the women get honey and also the aloe get pollination. Then this, the honey, they increase the yield of the aloe. There are 203 women that work here in Twala. Yes. Where are the men? The men are not here because this is a women project. And these women came together because at home, Maasai women, they own nothing at home. So they decided to get their own project where they will generate income. 
empowerment to their girl child education and also to themselves. We learn from the old women because we have others who have good knowledge, indigenous knowledge, so we learn from each other. After spending the day in the company of the women at Tuala Village, I sat down with Rosemary, the leader of the women's group, to find out more about the history of Alohia, the benefits of this ingredient and the challenges that the women face. We started the group so that we can rely on ourselves and also we can preserve a good part of our culture. We grew aloe in 2008, but the first year, 2008, it was eaten by a porcupine. Then we regrow again in 2009 and now it is successfully. So has it taken you a long time to build up such a field here of aloe secundiflora? Yes, it takes us now 10 years. Before the permaculture joined us, we did not know how to make a nursery. How we do harvesting is uh, you just get a, a healthy leaf like this one. The part you cut dries, then when it dries, another one shoots. Okay. Yes. So what about the ones in the middle there? Can you take them from there? We can't because it can make a plant to die. So what have been the most positive changes that have happened here in the community since the aloe has been growing? The women now are not only uh, getting income from the livestock, but they are getting from aloe. So when you give uh, a man 12 roots, it's equivalent to one big goat. Aloe is uh, one of uh, the, uh, the activities that change uh, the main perception of saying women cannot be leaders. Oh, well, that was just lovely, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I just want to take a side note and say how amazing is that project? Yeah, it's pretty cool. And so their regeneration, so there's loads of great articles and Katie has done a great article. She's met some of the women from the project. So their regeneration of land around them is coupled with their growth as individuals in a community. So in supporting themselves in growing aloe and reject, they're rejecting negative traditions. So I don't know, it's amazing. The aloe vera project is amazing and it's amazing they can sustain themselves. But I'm so interested in the idea that in giving women an alternative they're also giving them an opportunity to think differently and it's having like positive effects mm -hmm. on how they view women within that society and while the land regeneration is really important for me like this is as a side note I just think it's really important that we can look at like self regeneration in that and look at how that community is regenerating itself and mm -hmm. so the way they think about women and the way they think about education has been regenerated as a side effect of growing aloe and selling it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's it, it like comes full circle almost. You know, it has a positive effect on the people that live there, the land, the things that grow there. It it's really really cool. Yeah. Um, plus, aloe is just amazing. It's a delight. You can it? eat it. You can put it on your skin. Can you eat it? <laughs> you can eat aloe vera. Yeah. Oh yeah, people have aloe vera drinks. drinks don't they? Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've eaten it myself. In charity pot, it's what gives it that really lovely gel kind of feel almost. You mm -hmm. know, the way charity pot's really, really creamy. It has like a gel kind of yeah, feel. Yeah. I have a great, not a great, but once I was on holiday and was sunburned, as you can imagine, very pale <laughs> human being. And yeah, someone just cut an aloe vera leaf, sliced down the side. It's almost like the gel itself can be like a full block and yeah. then just put it straight on my skin. Yeah. And that's how they transport it from um, where we source it. It comes in the leaves. So it lush actually like cut the skin away, which oh, is just great, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine that's a job. <laughs> okay, so you really like aloe vera. Mm -hmm. How well do you know aloe? 
Oh, oh, is the quiz we that we're going to play. <laughs> How well do you know Aloe? A great quiz name. So it's very straightforward. It's okay. one of the first quizzes I've ever curated. Okay. So it's just a simple five questions, true or false. I have practised it upon my housemate. <laughs> okay. And they were thrilled, to say the least. So are you ready? I'm ready. Nula Davies. How well do you know Aloe? I'm so grateful you did that. I wasn't sure if you were going to. Okay. It's just literally a true or false. Please play along at home. Aloe is thought to be one of the oldest remedies. True. Give people at home a chance to think Sorry. about it, please, Neil. Sorry, I just got so excited. Is true your final answer? It is. Okay. Correct. Oh, I knew it. Well done. The fleshy leaves are covered with pink dots when the plant is still young, which disappear with time. False. It is false, you're correct. I knew. Bonus point. What colour are the spots? Oh. If any. Oh, I don't... Yellow? White. Oh, I was going to say white. You've lost all of your points up to now. Oh, no, that's not fair. (laughs) You can't take points off. Okay. The edges are sharp. That depends on your aloe. Oh, literally. Oh, I've put depends on pain threshold of human. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Or animal. Or insect. Oh. I'm going to say false. Okay, I, I actually don't have an answer oh, okay. for that one. Well, it so. just depends. It just depends. Okay, yeah, There's just a depends. wide lot of, of circumstances. And this is a, li- a lesson in life at home. There are no right or wrong answers. <laughs> well, there are, of course. Uh, maybe there are no right or wrong questions, or maybe we don't know everything that we think we do. Next question. Next question. Is aloe a way of saying hello in certain <laughs> British dialects? Fantastic. And this whole quiz was centered around that question. Um, It is an ingredient in a product that contains your favorite scent. My favorite scent? Yes. For those of you listening at home last week, you'll know the scent I'm referring to. Oh, I don't even know my favorite scent. It changes every day. Um, Okay, so one of your favorite scents. I'm going to say true. Okay, can you guess the scent? Can I guess my favourite scent? Mm-hmm. Golden pear. <gasps> yeah! yeah, well done, yeah. Nola Davies, Thank for knowing you. yourself. Product knowledge, product knowledge, and self knowledge. Self love. And so, which of the golden pear range do you think's got aloe gel in it? Is it the soap? Mm-mm. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else is golden pear scented. <laughs> oh, the hair jellies. You said two things at once. I'm just saying words because quizzes mean a lot to me. <laughs> And the fact you've put a quiz in, is, I'm, I'm riled. Um, this is why I didn't tell you. I'm that and a matcha say, latte. Oh. All hell going to break loose. Jelly. Jelly. You're absolutely right. The golden pear jelly. Aloe vera is just great. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything that you can eat and use on your skin makes me trust it. Okay, n- another quiz. Name five things that you can <laughs> eat and use on your skin. Okay. Coconut oil. Okay, fabulous. Almond oil. Oh, also can put it in your hair for a wet look. Mm-hmm. Tried that recently. Mm-hmm. Polenta. Oh, banana. Yeah. The list goes on. I know, yeah. And that's why I trust all those things because I can eat them and put them can on my you skin. Eat seaweed. Seaweed. Which brings me nicely too. I also found out that aloe gel is in one of my oldest and favourite products. BB seaweed. Oh, I love BB I love seaweed. seaweed. So BB seaweed is a fresh face mask. Great for redness, great for moisture. Great if you want a face mask that looks like it's from the 90s, which it is. Maybe even the 80s, I don't know. It's not my favourite face mask. What is? Catastrophe Cosmetic. Mm, I did. I went on training once with Lush and 
they were like, oh, everyone do a face mask. And I was going out afterwards to meet some friends in Manchester because that's where the training was. And I just could it just stayed on my, it just was like <laughs> not going anywhere. And it is a great, I suppose if you're at home and you can probably just go for it. I uh, see, here's the thing. You put your face mask on before you get in the bath or the shower. Yeah, and it's steam it. Then you take your wee cloth in. Then you take it? your walk in. Your wee cloth. <laughs> oh, you sorry. take your wee cloth in. I apologise. You get it off. The mess is in the shower or the bath. You don't even have to think about it. Yeah. You can have that tip for free. For free. Thanks, Nuala. I don't know if you're familiar with the Liverpool-based band Stealing Sheep. I saw them when I was up at the opening. Oh, Fantastic. Oh my God, there's so many. I could have gone in with so many segues. What were they wearing at the opening? Sparkly things. What colour was it? Gold. What's your favourite scent? Golden pear! What's <gasps> one of the ingredients in golden pear that you can eat and use on your body? Aloe vera! Ah! Oh, what a life we no live. No one can say that I'm not a good link maker. Yeah, thank you for, thank you for all the links. It's okay. I've worked hard <laughs> to get here. Okay, so Steel and Sheep. You're right, they opened our shop. Mm-hmm. Um, they also wore gold... Glitter, mm-hmm. re jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. Um, is am I correct in saying a little video has just gone up about them that we did with them? Well, if you want to hear all about it, it's the next clip. Oh, sweet! Here we go. So I'm just going to play a soundbite from this stealing cheap documentary that was actually worked on around the shop opening and the launch of their new album. Oh, and just as a bit of context, they're wearing gold sparkly onesies and some fabulous animal hern iridescent. Space glasses is all I can describe them as. Here it is. At the dawn of time, <laughs> there was a giant sheep. <laughs> Three separate entities absorbed into its brain. <laughs> and then we appeared. away from it just a sense of fun and I like it when something's a bit different and a bit like so I go oh that's exciting or weird or and I hope people find it kind of weird humorous and that they can join in or they can feel more free themselves to sort of do whatever they want to do. (laughs) We first started working with Lush because they were doing a Liverpool themed spa treatment and we did a cover of the Beatles I want to hold your hand and then now We have recorded two songs, uh, two covers of a Peter Gabriel song called Excuse Me and Barracuda by Heart for the Instant Replay album. Just through us being three women and like other women sort of approaching us as, I don't know, like role models or just like people in the music industry already doing what we do. And that's sort of become now part of our manifesto, I suppose, is to sort of like help other women feel inspired to have the confidence to do. To get involved. To do music and... Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it it can be quite intimidating, can't it? The Mm -hmm. the music scene and the music industry. Yeah, and quite male dominated. that we don't really have a genre. I think that's kind of 
accidentally become part of our mission as well is to just find different ways of doing music all the time and different ways of performing. It's never going to be just pop and it's never going to be in a box of a style of pop either. It's just always like trying to progress into a different shape. place where people are the most liberated and art of different kinds. Maybe because although the music industry exists so that it is capitalised, but it is also, there is a precious connection to like people's soul um, and like their true emotion and there's a lot of integrity in music and I think that people cling on to that in sort of like dark kind of political times because that's like something that actually has some truth in it. I think that we're referencing kind of superheroes, female superheroes. And just the, the luxury of gold being so sparkly and like over the top, you know, with the glasses and everything, it's a statement. Yeah. We've got a bit of a, like a, a, a robotic theme coming through a lot of our choreography and it's kind of like we, we have a machines kind of theme as well because we use a lot of like synths and things like that. I don't know, they, they just, they make you act like a robot. If you're a pop star, you know, which we can pretend that we are, or we are, we might, maybe we are, but it's like, what would you want to wear? I'd want to wear a gold onesie with some shades and do some moves. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, so that's what we're doing. <laughs> Gang of cool ladies. Yeah, legends. Badass lady. I think it's really interesting what they say about, about the music industry and about um, it being quite male-dominated. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, that is true. And how, at the minute, from where I... Belfast, where I'm from, there's a lot of um, young female artists like collaborating together and regenerating the city's music scene. Um, I know you you've worked on a lot of creative projects that are about that too so it's really cool to see that happening because that's what we need <laughs> yeah to see to see that happening and to see one thing I really like about stealing sheep is they accept that identity and they like live for it so they do talk mm -hmm. about being women that other women can look and say hey if they're doing this then maybe I can mm -hmm. but it hasn't consumed their whole identity yeah so because it can otherwise they're just like that, a token girl band exactly or, and if that becomes your identity then then your identity's being taken from you, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's it's great. I think that um, the reason I wanted to end on this clip was because I know at the start of the podcast, but all like, so the start of just thinking about this topic is like, how does a field in South Africa relate to me and you who live in a city, live a relatively industrial lifestyle apart from my um, greenhouse house and <laughs> coven courtyard? Where is the connection between them? And so I was thinking like, okay, so why is regeneration important to me? And it's important because, yeah, I use these products and I live in like a capitalist society and I and I don't want to see people suffer. And also day to day, like I also live in a creative community. I'm a creative person and I don't want to suffer. So I think thinking about regeneration is like all aspects of life. It's just important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
I think the thing that I take from it that's the most important to me is the collaborative aspect of it and how if you open up your viewpoints or if you network and and collaborate, if you open up your viewpoints or if you network and collaborate with other like-minded people, the potential that that has. So like from Lush reaching out and working with cooperatives and groups like that, look at what we're able to do for our for our products and for the the products that we make so if you can do that in your life as well so if you can reach out and network and communicate and work with groups of people in a creative way as well what what there's no stopping you yeah, really then. what what a positive effect can that have and it's exciting it's exciting but it it's also it it needs to be inspirational because it's one of those things like to regenerate takes a lot of work. Yeah. You have to go in and you have to commit to it and you have to be willing to work hard at it, which I think it's really cool hearing, like, you know, when Kelly's talking in that clip, it's happening. It's not about throwing money at a project and getting them to make us, to grow aloe for us. It's about supporting and them informing us as much as we inform them. Yeah, and it's not, thinking about the aloe project in itself, just taking that idea and being like, if these people can fight the adversity in those situations with aloe vera, then what can we do in this warehouse in the middle of London? Yeah, exactly. It's inspiring. Yeah. So, full circle. Nula, what did you think when you think of regeneration? (laughs) (laughs) I think the main thing to take away from regeneration is that it's not specific to any one Thing. you can regenerate anything and the possibilities are endless being more than sustainable so how can you give back as much as you take so that there's constantly a balance okay thank you Nula for being a fantastic guest you're so welcome it's been really interesting to listen back to things that I made oh yeah of yeah course. it's really interesting to do that because then you take away from it a whole different thing obviously from, from when you're in it yeah, so I might so go true. listen to that podcast again because it's real good. It's real good. It's real good. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Olivia, for hosting. It's been beautiful. Uh, so to get in touch, if you have any questions, oh, queries, yeah. thoughts, Nula's gone feelings, into host. I have. I've gone back into host mode. Uh, you can contact Olivia on olivia.graham at lush.co.uk. Or you can get me, Nula Davies, nula.davies at lush.co.uk. Gorge. Thanks so much. Speak soon. Bye. Since we recorded this podcast, Lush held its annual spring prize in London and Elise, another podcaster from our team, went along to talk to some of the winners for us. So we're about to hear a segment of a special episode of the Activism in Existence podcast, featuring three of this year's Spring Prize winners from the organisations Reapanu, Verdigaya and Goobar, all of which are projects that have positive regeneration at their roots. And in this clip, you'll hear them each share their answers to the question, what does it mean to be an activist as an individual? And what do you consider a win? Well, the problem is that activists always struggle with power. And power gets nervous when people is starting to go for it. So the biggest challenge is that you're always uh, exhibiting yourself to jail, for example, or to fines or to mistreatment by the police or the government. So basically that's the, that is the, the biggest risk. Uh, I consider Julian Assange the best example for this, like a really great activist that dismantled power somehow 
but the fact that he was exhibiting himself all this time was something that bring him down. So I think the best activist is the one that is behind a mask and always like if it is a warrior mask it will be better. Uh, behind the mask there is more masks and another mask, another mask and I think that is the idea of activism that is not only one face, is one general face. I think it's a way to be responsible and be responsible about what we do and how we take care of of the land that supports us and being conscious also about the need of, of that having to be done. And of course that means it can be expressed or, or we can do it by many ways. Sometimes it's by confronting and resisting destructive project, uh, projects or in, like mining or, or other sorts of of this kind of initiatives. Other times it's it's regenerating what has been degraded uh, or reclaiming uh, what, what really should be in, in place. And I think many times we need to combine both, even for our own individual mental health, because sometimes just fighting against something is, uh, is tiring, is and why we have to do it and we have to put a lot of energy into it. Uh, in other occasions, it's projects like these where people really get together to do what they feel is necessary in a constructive way. Uh, it's also really rewarding individually and as, as groups. I think it looks like for me, it feels like a privilege, but I guess it's a choice to do something that is, there's a level of autonomy and there's a level of control over where you direct your energy and you're directing your energy towards real tangible change in the people that you have contact with. What do you consider a win? No, the thing is that I don't think like so much in terms of winning or losing. I think more in terms of learning and experiencing. So for me, the best winning is getting a lot of experience. And to do that is, I think, the only thing you need to do is go for go with your life and go following your sentiments or following your heart or your internal voices or your pulsions, whatever makes you makes you go, you know. Well, every time we do this on a Saturday, we have fifty people well armed with axes and chainsaws or sometimes with with spades to plant trees. And I think the most amazing thing, the most amazing win is the the change that you can see in one day. The change that a group of people can do on the landscape, on the, the, the potential for re, regenerating the landscape, the, the natural habitats, the biodiversity, in just a question of hours mm. is amazing. And I think that that is the greatest win, that patch by patch we're winning this land from the, these invasive species, from the, 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 the economical logic of, of cash, fast cash crops, the ecocide that those crops are, those monocultures are bringing to the land. And I think we're winning uh, patch by patch, so it will take more, or, you know, more time or less time to, to get the job done, but I think we're, 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 we're on track. The people that I've met here, and having time, having had time to spend with some really, really inspiring people and really diverse, that to me is a win. You know, to, to be 
invited to step outside of my normal day-to-day and be immersed in this kind of um, really rich pool of people has been, that's definitely a win. I think at home, in the more normal rhythm of our life in Eswatini, a win is moments that we are a part of facilitating where you see people getting really excited about new ideas and getting really excited about their own potential to change things for the better. You've been listening to The Lush Podcast with me, Olivia Graham, and co-host Nuala Davies. This episode was edited by Elise McKenna with theme music by The Fresh Handmade Collective. For more information on today's episode, click the link in the description for show notes. You can find more podcasts by Lush by downloading the free Lush Player app, available for both Android and Apple. (laughs) 